Welcome to the latest edition of Vito Sit Down. I am your host, Vito Jerome Cherko, alongside my two in-studio guests today, and Cherise Saylor and Mary Jo Sanders. Guys, how's it going? Wonderful, thank you. Great to have you on, both of you, and we have a great event to talk about in just a little bit. Wanted to start off by something that I mentioned to you guys prior to our start of this podcast today, and about your father, the great. Charlie Sanders, who was a great player, but I think even a better man off the field. And you guys can definitely talk about that much more. But, you know, as I let you know, I interviewed him before all of this happened, before he passed away. And what a great interview, as he was very gracious. I think he gave probably a half an hour or more of his time for a man that I know was very busy then. And doing it for me when I was running this amateurish, you know, internet radio show. And he gave all that time to me. And we talked about uh, Have a Heart save a life. We talked about his foundation, what he's done with his charity golf outing that he did annually, and so many other great endeavors that he came up with and started. And he was a guy, and you guys can talk about this and elaborate further. But for me, from what I got from him and knew about him from reading up about him, a man that was very gracious and very giving, Therese. Yes, yes, I would agree. His fans were important to him. He would always uh, talk about how he brought joy and, and that was what was important to him, playing the sport and do, having the sacrifice. But the joy of playing and the joy of giving that excitement to his fans. So he always said, um, you know, if it wasn't for them, he wouldn't be him. And so he, he said it's very important to always remember to give back. Mary Jo? Yeah, that's right. The same thing um, forever, for as long as I can remember. I mean, we were babies when he was um, involved with the March of Dimes so, I mean, to see that at a young age, that really, um, that resonated with us. And I think that's why we carry it, you know, so close to our hearts. And, you know, people need help. And, and you know, what are we here for if we can't do that? And now what would you say then, you know, there's so many people that after his death came out and said so many endearing things about him and great things about his legacy. Now, you guys, as his daughters, what would you say about what his lasting legacy is? And first with you, Therese. Hmm. His lasting legacy. You know, dad would always say it's not about me. So I would say a legacy of, of hard work, a legacy of it doesn't matter what you have to work with, uh, but that we are expected uh, to come to this work world and to um, use our God-given talents. As a matter of fact, you wrote a poem about that. Use your God-given talent and be brave and valiant. Actually, one of the lines from his poem, I would say that that's his legacy. Whatever it ha- is that you do, you don't have to be a professional athlete. That was just a gift. You work hard in everything you do. Just think about the era that he came up in, the lack of a helmet, the lack of pads, the lack of everything. They, you know, the lack of turf, the lack of, you know, the, well, this is a sports show, but you guys know it's, you know, it's glorified. It's different now. It's a business. It was a business then, but it was a lot of heart. You weren't playing for the money, mm-hmm. you know? And so um, that's what I would say is a, a legacy of hard work, whatever it is that you do, leave it on the field. Yeah, being valiant and courageous and giving no matter what, no matter what you have accomplished. You don't have to be a professional athlete in so many yeah. words, right, and have accomplished something to give back to the community and to better others. Yeah. Right, Mary Jo? Yeah, absolutely. It was, um, you know, don't compare yourself to anyone mm-hmm. else. Compare yourself to your best self. Mm-hmm. Be your best self. And, you know, that was the barometer. And every day, can you do better? Can you be better? You know, can you give more? You know, it was... Um, it was that um, challenge um, 
He challenged himself first, you know, him versus him, his best self before, you know, anything on the field. So it was, it was with him long before he started football. Yeah. And as you guys have elaborated upon, I mean, his legacy much bigger than on the field production, and he was a pro football Hall of Famer. So pretty good, yeah, I would say. <laughs> and I know, Mary Jo, you got the athletic genes. Therese, I bet you have somewhere down the line got some kind of athletic genes from him too because I know he's a great player before my time. Never got to see him play, but what a great tight end, great player. And I think he elevated the status of tight ends. Oh, I mean, that's well known now too that he became the first really great pass-catching tight end too. And now we see... You know, so many different guys that can do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I love the, I love football. I love sports. And, you know, doing this as part of the Detroit Sports Podcast Network, better know something, right? <laughs> so right. hopefully I do. And, you know, one of his great endeavors was have a heart, save a life, and then starting up this cause to uh, with Beaumont Hospital to check on heart defects, potentially, of student athletes. And these kind of tests weren't done. And I know routine physicals for these student athletes. So he thought up of this great idea, which why wasn't it started up earlier, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, this great cause of trying to see if there's any risk of these student athletes suffering a heart attack while on the field of play. And I mean, that was such a great cause. And I wanted to ask you guys, what gave him the idea to start up this great cause too? Well, um, some time ago, um, if you remember, you began seeing basketball players, for example, dying on the court, um, these sudden deaths that would occur that he felt were just really unnecessary. And he would always say, you know, in my Charlie Sanders voice, it's about the kids, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's about the kids, you, you know. Uh, and so that was what initiated it. And thinking about how blessed he was to have so many children, all of us played sports. And my husband mentioned the other day how um, someone approached him, well, why is it the heart checks just for the athletes. And I just want to bring clarity that it is not just for the athletes. I've volunteered at um, some of these um, heart checks and it's for all kids, uh, cheerleading, uh, but any child. Um, So I just want to bring clarity to that. You know, the student athlete is where a lot of that news, a lot of that attention goes because of, of where it happens. But this is about children in general and trying to catch something and bring awareness that this is avoidable. So, um, uh, you know, that's where it began just his passion uh, to not see this happen and to raise awareness. And that's what we hope that our athletes or um, those faces in sports do with, with their God-given talent. Mary Jo, if you can comment on that any further. Yeah. You know, he, he would always just um, be very aware and be very attentive of, of what, what was going on in the world, you know, with er- everything and anything. And uh, he saw this happening and once was too much. So, you know, he thought we got to get to the bottom of this. You know, this has happened quite a few times. You know, the physicals are great, but we've got to go deeper. You know what I mean? Why are these kids just, you know, dropping dead, you know? And, and it's, it's you know, very uh, much a misconception as as far as, you know, you see an athlete and you think they're in tip-top shape and, you know, you you won't even think, you know, especially kids, like, okay, they're, they're out there, they're very much healthy, they're young, um, but anything can happen. And it, it had happened way too many times for him. And he said, we got to do something about it. Growing up, what was it like being part of a big family in the city? <laughs> mm. Oh, gosh, so much fun. Um, you didn't need playmates. And right. we, now when... The Lions moved from Detroit. So Mary Jo and I and my sister Maya, legitimately Detroit, seven mile outer drive. (laughs) 
But when when they moved to the Silverdome, we moved to Rochester. And I think there were like eight. It wasn't even a Rochester Hill. So there were like eight houses on the whole street and no kids. So that was a benefit. You know, we had our, our, our own gang of <laughs> friends and that has um, carried well into our adulthood. But um, my father, again, was so humble that from then till now, you just wouldn't know. You just wouldn't know. We didn't really know. I think yeah. that um, we, 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 we've come up in extraordinary circumstances to be exposed to things, but it wasn't abnormal. Now, where it really shifted, I think, was when dad went on. And the magnitude, because he was so humble. Yeah. You know, he, he never let it uh, affect, affect us. I think his kids, I, I just remember his office, and there were, were a lot of footballs to play with and a lot of helmets. We literally have our own, enough kids to have our own <laughs> teams. And we would just play. You know, he was just dad. He, you know, there were, there were cool things going on, but, you know, like she said, it was normal to us. And he would discipline us, you know, oh, yeah. and, and tell us, you know, the real deal and, you know, life lessons and, and love and caring and responsibility. And so it was, it was, it was normal to us. He never let it, he would never let us get a big head about anything. And cause he never did. So it was, it was just fun and, and normal, but yeah, we did have some cool, some cool um, yeah. things to play mm-hmm. with. Yeah. Mom would take us to um, training camp. I, the, the players always looked like giants. Yeah. He, he was like a hero. So you were exposed to a family, a very unique family that we still can turn to now. So it is special. Yeah, there was there, the camaraderie and the, the, you know, it was very much a family. You know, the, all the players would eat together. You know, like Sheree said, we're still, um, you know, in touch with his teammates and, you know, their family, their family. Um, Mel and Lem were there when he died. Um, they were you know, in the foxhole with him, they, they protected him and you, you were, it was, you know, a team, but in, in every sense of the word, like, you know, they were, they were mates, they were teammates, they were family and the wives too, all the wives, the kids, yeah. um, ate together, played together. Um, we all had activities together, celebrated, you know, birthdays, holidays. It was a really big family. It was really special. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how special it was to have a father like that who really served as a mentor then as well to you guys, to guide you guys in the right direction and kind of to teach you how to handle your lives and in a proper manner, it seems like as well. And then, you know, you talked about how he got to know all these different Lions teammates. I know he got to know Dave Bing, yeah. the former Detroit mayor and former Pistons legend very well as well. And how did that come to be from your guys' knowledge, how they became really close Wow. Um, Actually, it was in my face. I think it was July 25th when I went to see the premiere Detroit. And I remember that the the riots were taking place. There was a lot of racial tension when uh, it was over two years that Uncle Dave, Uncle Mel, Uncle Lem, and my dad came in. And so I think that in some ways that drew them closer. But when I saw that movie, I thought, wow. It certainly would, you know. Um, so I know that group. I think Dad was drafted after. I know he was drafted after, and Dave Bing, Len Barney, Melfar had begun to, you know, bond. And so we had a lot of uncles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they remain brothers to this day. And I tell you what, when my father passed, now he passed on July second. A month to the day le- later was Uncle Mel, August third. 
And 10 days prior, I'm just going to bring home how, how the relationship was. 10 days prior, go Lem and uh, Mel and Don Toko. He's an advisor to the board here. They pulled us together, right? It was the three of them. They pulled yeah. us together. And, and, and Mel said, I am going to be your wisdom. I'm going to stand in the gap. I'm your experience. You've lost experience in your father. You've lost that piece. But I'm here for you. And so even to say to his children, I'm, I'm going to stand in this gap for you. That's the kind of brothers that they were. And a lot of people talk negatively right now about football, but the other side of it is the camaraderie, the family, the extension of a teammate and what that means. And so back in the day, it sounds like from what you're saying, it wasn't just you're my teammate. Mm-mm. No, you became part of my family. My brother. Mm-hmm. You, exactly. And yeah. so that was something that was a legacy and something that was passed down to you guys. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, I love how that was brought full circle. And thank you very much for doing that. And then now kind of maybe even bringing it more full circle to the event that's coming up. October 7th, uh, Detroit Has Heart at Andiamo Detroit Riverfront at the Rensen in downtown Detroit. It should yeah. be a lovely occasion on that evening. And Dave Bing is the event chairman. And I know Family to Family Michigan is helping put this on along with his help. And uh, tell us a little bit about what to expect with that event on October okay. 7th, too. W- wonderful. So um, in the wake of all these hurricanes we're facing, just a, a, to go back briefly, in 2005, Family to Family was established. And my sister and I are co-founders. My father got behind us, you know, in a real way, even before he started his foundation. Um, and uh, our goal is to continue to provide emergency relief like we did for many of those who migrated here to the Detroit area uh, after experiencing the results of Hurricane Katrina. Um, We carried that on since then in helping people in our own backyard was our thing. Just, you know, one giving to another. We're a conduit. So we did have an event in 07 when dad went into the hall. And, you know, just like our dad, we're all about just being a conduit. We don't want to, if we can get it for free and give it for free, that's what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, we, we weren't really big on galas. They, they cost money. However, Uncle Dave encouraged us, you know, you need to let people know like what you're still doing. You've assisted over 3000 people in the last 12 years and you're, you're so undercover, but it's, it's with the help of local businesses and families that we do it. So this event, um, we have partnered with Andiamos. Everybody is so great, you know, from Mary Jo's career and um, uh, having fights in the showroom and just being friends with the Vicarious, wonderful people. Um, you know, we couldn't have it anywhere else but in the, in the <laughs> with Andiamo and the best food in the world. Yeah. So this event is, is top notch um, because we want to be able to serve families in Detroit and, and continue to bring awareness and also provide a great evening bringing Detroit together. I believe Detroit, when we say Detroit, wherever you come from in Michigan and you're traveling, you're like, I'm from Detroit. (laughs) And so we are Detroit and we have heart and we have the heart to help one another, which is what my dad was all about. If you have two pairs of shoes and you don't need one, just give it away. What are you, you know? And so this event to raise awareness is going to be um, uh, star studded. Uh, we've already got confirmation from the Pistons and the Lions. We're waiting on confirmation from Tigers and um, Red Wings, according to Uncle Dave. Okay. And um, we definitely expect and have lots of businesses that are involved um, and want to support. And these are people who have supported us down through the years. So you're going to have a five star dinner. Um, we have auction items from all of our sports teams. We have trips. Um, we have live entertainment on the front and the back. There's a VIP, on, and it's it's limited. I, I was just telling um, someone, like, you really, if you want to do the VIP, you need to hustle because half of the guests 
are my VIP. So you're definitely going to be amongst some great alumni, some people who love dad, um, some legends. Uh, Earl Curitan has confirmed that he's going to be in the house. Of course, Uncle Dave, we're honoring Herman Moore for his work. Um, and uh, so I, I, I'm really excited about spending time with my brothers. Like, if you want to be in the family, that's the night to come. That's the way to that get into the family, the huh? You want to come see how we do it? That's how we do it. So I think Doc and I have to be there now. Oh, I mean, my God. Like we might have to. Yes. Now. Oh, God. You're uh, the party of, of the year, helping people, right? Should be yeah. fun. And giving back and helping out people, that's a great thing. And then Herman Moore, who you had mentioned, is going to be there, the recipient of the One Heart Award. What does that award entail, and why is he being awarded it? Okay, so um, thinking about the Charlie Sanders One Heart, you know, Dad was all about it was it's one heart, one passion, one family at a time. Together, we change lives. That's what family of family is about. So, someone who moves to Detroit, like my dad or Herman, um, comes to play with the team in our area, but then chooses to remain and make their home here and then take their celebrity and use it to forward people's lives to help those in need or, you know, Herman works with the youth. So that is what we're looking for in a recipient, someone who's come here, planted themselves, but then uses what the city has done for them to help the city. And speaking of the city, it seems like it's on the rise. More and more renovations are being done. People are moving back, and it's more vibrant, right, yes. than it has been maybe you know, 15, 20 years ago. It's more vibrant now. But it seems like there's still stages, right, that have to take place for it to elevate to an even better status, right? And I wanted to ask you guys, what do you think has to be done in order to continue to elevate Detroit to a bigger and better status? I think um, just things like we're doing now, you know, um, being involved, you know, being involved, being aware, especially uh, with the businesses, you know, that are that are downtown um, and the people that are downtown. It's 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 getting a a lot of buzz. It's beautiful. You know, a lot of people are are going down and enjoying so many different things um, every day. So I I think with everybody and and everything that's going on down there, um, you know, just just being involved, just going down, you know, spending your money, having a good time. There's everything from concerts to the markets to, I mean, all kinds of beautiful local businesses. And it's it's very much on the rise and it's it's very exciting. It's mm-hmm. very exciting. So spend it, local. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really. And and don't forget about the surrounding areas. See, that's what family to family is about. Okay. Let's not forget about as you build big city, we have to be careful not to turn our concern from those that may be displaced in the building of that. I mean, that's kind of political what I'm saying, but you know, we're Charlie's kids, so we keep it real. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, you have to keep it real. And I like that. My mom was quite a fireball too, so (laughs) I appreciate that, Therese. You know, so the bottom line is like, while this is all beautiful, don't forget about what's going on in the circumference of Mm -hmm. the area. So we talk about Detroit, but Detroit, we're metropolitan. So we had people that came to us from Novi for help that came from Southfield for help. When we would go serve families, we wouldn't believe the kids that we see every day in school that that don't have food. It's crazy. So while we're building Detroit, don't forget about Detroit. Yeah, And forget about, I guess, the less well-off people yes. in the impoverished neighborhoods, mm-hmm. which I don't know if there's been enough attention to those people That's either saying. right now. I don't yeah. know. And Doc and I, we've talked about that in previous editions of our podcast, how we think that this is lovely, the new Little Caesars Arena. It's right. going to be great, a great venue for watching sporting events. But 
how about those less well-off people in those impoverished mm-hmm. neighborhoods? Right. You know, what's going to be done about them? And I know through what you're doing with Family to Family Michigan, too, I mean, that's a big cause that you guys are taking upon yourselves, too. Yes. And the Illiches and, and the families um, that have built and are building Detroit are amazing in their philanthropy. So we don't want to take away from that, but we just, sometimes you just, we, we got to get it. It's grassroots. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you got to get your feet in the grass. Yeah. You, you know, do. you got to pull up the roots, you know? And so I honestly believe that family to family, that we can make a difference, just like many organizations are making a difference. We're, we're one of many. Um, but I, I, I know that God touched my heart when I saw those kids waiting in the water, uh, Hurricane Katrina, those images on CNN just jacked me up and changed us forever. And when my dad got sick, another charity bought the building that we were in. We had like a 9,000 square foot building in Southfield and it was okay because we needed to focus. We were covering him. We were believing for him to live. We were doing what, what we could do. You know, he was broadcasting one day, literally Sunday broadcasting, Monday can't walk. So all of a sudden, all this gets, you know, taken away from, from him. A trooper through it. But as you go through those things, you know, sometimes you put your passion down because we have to do what's necessary, but God will never let that thing go out of your belly. And so um, it, it had to come back around and, and we had to remember in dad's legacy, never forget, you know, never forget, you know? And so doing this, I hope will cause other grassroots organizations be, to, to, to rise up as well. And remember, we're a conduit. So we don't believe that we can do anything alone. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're available for the other nonprofit, for the other, you know, because everybody can't say, my dad's Charlie Sanders, can you help me? <laughs> you know, it kind of, um, it, it neutralizes things because he was such a great man with great character that they trusted him. So the, the, they trust us. And we've done okay in our own right. We've done a couple things around Yeah, here. I think you guys have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something now, right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this podcast reaches the entire country. Oh, so awesome. there are a lot of misconceptions about Detroit because a lot of people only see what they hear or what they read about on the news. Right. So kindly share from your perspective, if somebody's listening in Arizona or in Florida or across the country, tell them about Detroit from your perspective. Well, lately, I've seen a lot of people walking their dogs. <laughs> watering their plants on their condo patio, a lot of new concrete. And uh, to me, it, it, you know, it, it, it looks like a cosmopolitan, yeah, just, cosmopolitan, you know, cosmopolitan yeah. city. Um, beautiful. Uh, Detroit is, is not, it's the new Detroit. It definitely is. There's a lot of activity, which there always has been, but there's a migration, there's an energy, mm-hmm. there's a feeling that if you're a foodie, you need to come oh here, goodness, yeah. you know? Um, <laughs> so we are grateful for what's happening. I mean, Cass Corridor, what are you talking about? You could, I mean, we were just there last weekend eating in the alleys. See what, what used to be an alley, you know, is now a beautiful uh, atrium, <laughs> Yeah. You know, so Detroit, uh, there are parts of Detroit. So we're talking about downtown Detroit, but also understand that the the, the change is, is starting to head down Woodward. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, of course, there's a lot of people investing here in the area and things of that nature. And I just believe it's going to continue to spread. It's going to conti- continue to spread and to connect. So you're missing out if, you know, if, if, if you haven't seen it yet, you should definitely put it on the books. Yeah. Mary Jo? Yeah, all, all of all of those things, it, it is branching out. And that's, that's the beauty of it. Um, you know, people are getting down there, opening things up, realizing how beautiful it is. I mean, it, you know, it's my heart. Detroit, we are some hardcore, t- 
tough-skinned <laughs> survivors with heart. And uh, I think because we take, you know, such pride um, in our city, we 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 would never be down that long. Right? You know? <laughs> we would never be down that long. Never. And I think so. you have to have heart to be great at anything in life. And we've gone all this time without mentioning that Mary Jo is a six-time world champion boxer in four different weight divisions. Yes. And... How the heck did you get involved with boxing, by the way? <laughs> I just, I started bodybuilding actually first. Um, and actually Herman Moore's wife, Angela Moore, was kickboxing. And I was bodybuilding and she's like, hey, you should try this. I said, hey, you should try this. And we kind of just flip-flopped. And so she was the one that that had told me about kickboxing. And then um, there was something called the Tough Man, Tough Woman that came to town to uh, Joe Lewis. And it wasn't sanctioned boxing at all. People were basically trying to pay their rent or they thought they were tough or got in some bar fights. So um, I was like, hey, you know, let's try it. I had I had, had uh, maybe three kickboxing fights before. So my trainer at the time, Kerry Roop, he said, you know, well, if this is coming to town and you want to do it, we got to, you know, forget about the kicks, go in there and and practice. And, and we did. And I won that uh, three years in a row. And then went to the Worlds in 2000 in Mississippi and won that. It was um, like an elimination. Like there were 16 girls there that night. And I'm not a tiny girl, but I was the smallest girl out of the 16. And it was basically elimination. Fought four times that night. The last fight, the girl was 98 pounds heavier than I was. Boom, got that done. I came back to him and he said, hey, if you're going to really be serious about this, I know so much about the kickboxing world, not so much about straight boxing. So uh, a friend of mine had known a gentleman, Jimmy Mallow. And, you know, he said, hey, come on down. You know, I'm on the east side. You know, we'll work with you. Well, before that, (laughs) the phone call kind of went like, hey, I've got this friend. They're into boxing and this and that. You know, can they come down? And Jimmy was like, yeah, sure. And my friend was like, okay, she. And he was like, wait a minute, what? (laughs) Wait a minute, what? She what? (laughs) So, um, you know, with a, with a little bit of, of persuading, he said, all right, she can come down. And he said, you know, we'll just ca- talk. And I said, look, I'm driving 45 minutes. If if we're going to do this, I'm bringing my, my, my gloves and, and let's, let's, you know, you're going to see what I got. And he did. <laughs> and um, so worked with him for a, a few years, two and a half years, and then turned pro in uh, 2003. Uh, I had my first fight at the palace. It was like the coldest night of the year. And there were like 13,000 people there. It was uh, it was a beautiful night. And uh, it was very funny because uh, my dad was the most nervous person, <laughs> like in every stadium, every like showroom. He was, he would pace a hole through the floor. And um, he was discouraging at first, you know, he told me I was going to have man hands and not have any teeth and never find, <laughs> never find a man. I was like, really, dad? Please, so, dad. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but you know, once he, he knew that he couldn't deter me, then, uh, he got behind me all the way. Um, and I had asked him like, dad, you watch fights. Like you get, you know, really into it and excited. Like, what is it? Is it cause I'm a girl? He's like, no, it's cause you're my girl. Like, mm-hmm. I don't really <laughs> care for those people that I watch like I do you. And I was like, that's very touching and I love you, but I'm still going to do it. (laughs) So, um, and he just, he was the most nervous before and the proudest after. And um, it was something very special that we shared, you know, and, and, 
you know, he came from that, you know, very aggressive, very combative sport, you know, and uh, boxing, you know, the same way. So he worried a lot, but he was always very much relieved and proud when it was over. And, you know, I got my hand held up in victory most, <laughs> most of the time, 25-1-1, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't too shabby. Can you describe <laughs> the feeling of winning your first world championship? Ooh, oh my goodness. It was exhilarating. It actually took us, it was a hard fight. It was, um, it was a battle. It, it was a battle. And this, uh, this woman that I fought, she was probably the one person that like looked like me, like really in shape, like just like a horse or a skinned rabbit, just all skin and muscle. Like you knew that she put in the work. Um, it was an absolute battle. I fought for it. The end of the fight, it was literally, it was like a Rocky movie. Like the whole casino was on their feet. She like picked me up, you know, the, you know, trainers are coming in, like splashing water on us. It was a beautiful fight. I mean, like, you know, the kitchen staff in the casino were like peeking in. It was really, it was wonderful. And it took a second until they put the belt around my waist. And I was like, holy cow, like this is exactly what I've been training for. And it was the most gratifying feeling, um, you know, when you work so hard and then you get to showcase that work and then you get that reward. It, it was, it's, it's everything. It's everything. And I don't think it would be as special if you didn't work your tail off for it. You know, it was not given to me. Right. <laughs> so it was beautiful. It was, it was a beautiful feeling. And now you mentioned that your dad with, you know, you being his girl, he had trouble at first, and it was nerve-wracking. I mean, yes. I could tell it was really tough for him to watch at times, but he was always in your corner. And not that he was a boxer, but with him being a former pro athlete himself, what was the biggest word of advice that he offered to you in your professional career? Oh, he would tell me, like, get yours. Like, you, you get yours. You're in there. You've done the work. And you, you go in there, and you, you show out, and you leave it all on that canvas. You know, you leave it all there, win, lose, or draw. As long as you know that you've done your best and, and, and you've put out everything, nobody can take that away from you, you know? And uh, it, was, it, was, it was funny because um, one of the fights, I, I won, but I didn't do as well. You know, I made a few people nervous. And he, uh, he came into that locker room and, you know, he said, I get it. And you always, you know, you have another one. You can always redeem yourself. You know, you're you're only as good as your last fight. So let's, you know, get it together. But he said, even being on a team, he would always get his. He was, I got, I got this guy. You know, I'm, I. You go and you get yours, and you leave it there. And um, there was also um, another fight that was really funny. I think it was maybe my, I don't know, fourth. And uh, I did a radio show. And, you know, sometimes they ask, you know, hey, what, you know, what round, what round do you think you're going to knock this, this girl out in? And I thought about it for a second. I said, ah, maybe three. And I'm, my dad heard that interview. And the only reason I knew was, you know, minutes before I'm about to actually fight, he like almost busted the door down to my <laughs> dressing room. And he was like, oh, so you're going to knock her out in three, huh? And I was like, huh? And he said, you're going to knock her out in three. Oh, okay. He said, I heard that. What do you think she, you know, what do you think would happen if she heard that? What if she heard it? Do you really think, you know, and he got on my tail and just like, you know, just that humbleness, 
And uh, I knocked her out in the first round, by the way. It's <laughs> even better anyway. So, hey, yeah. Good for you, right? But my dad, he didn't care. You know, minutes before the fight, he's like, oh, really? Miss Cocky? Okay. <laughs> you know, and, and that's the kind of man he was. He would put you in your place no matter what, no matter when. And I'm thinking, really, Dad, right now? All right, fine. Well, thanks for that. Now I'm going to knock her out in one. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you, preach to you guys about that humbleness. And yeah. It, it probably paid off for you in your career, right? Yeah. Having a lesson like that taught. Uh, by your dad early on in your life. Too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. And it's, you know, it's very funny because, um, you know, people will make a big deal out of it. And it is a big deal. It is, uh, you know, especially when people are like reading my stats. And so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really amazing. If it was anybody else, I'd be like, you know, jumping up and down and like, oh, my gosh, that is really super cool as as you know, as it is, and it should be. But as far as myself, I kind of, I'm like, look, I just worked hard. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I, I love the sport and I was fortunate enough to, you know, have the skills to, to work at it and be pretty good. I think they called me the best in the car. <laughs> <laughs> right. Pretty but darn good. Yeah. At least pretty good. Yeah. More than you that, know, I think. The, yeah. They, yeah. So, you know, and I have, um, a lot of accolades and, and, and titles and, but you know, I, if, if I can do it, anybody can do it, you know, and, um, we all put our our pants on one leg at a time. And, and, um, you know, it was just that it found me and, and I happened to work hard and be good at it. But I'm, you know, I mean, that could be like Cherie said, you know, my dad was, I don't care if you mow lawns, you know, or, you know, sweep floors, do the best job that you can do. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much it in anything. So it was, you know, I mean, hard work, it really, it really is, it can become almost like miraculous really you know you say it's hard, a wonderful make thing. hard work your friend you yeah just made, reminded me of something you would say make hard work your friend challenge yourself yeah and typically it does equate to success and it did for mary joe in her boxing career and charise now mary joe was saying that she wouldn't get excited overly amped or anything with winning her bouts and being as great as she was i gotta believe you watching her as, you know, her sister, seeing all the great success yeah. that she accumulated throughout the years, it, that it, you yeah. probably showed some excitement, right? It's exciting. It, it is very exciting. And I thanked her and dad for like bringing that excitement. It's, oh, it's yeah. cool, you know, but it's scary now, you know. <laughs> yeah, watching your sister, serious. right, get beat yeah. up at times. Yeah, I, mean, I think uh, beat up, it but. came to, I, well, the, well, one time I almost messed the fight up because, well, first of oh, all, gosh. when we came in the room, for that championship fight, there's a stretcher and an ambulance like inside of the arena. And then it's like, oh, my God, this could yeah. not, you know, yeah, this real. could go either way. Yeah. And then one time I walked up to stop them like, no, you made a mistake that this is a female fight. That's not this is a man about to get in there. And it's like, nope, <laughs> that's exactly who your sister's about to fight. Yeah. And so there is some scary uh, just the way that people are built sometimes or how they step to the ring. But Mary Jo was skilled and they sometimes probably didn't expect the power that was in her punch, but she annihilated all, all of them. One, <laughs> one of them's questionable, but we're going to leave. We're going to put a pin in that. But oh, yeah, yeah, there were there were some uh, there were some really uh, tough, and I'm sure for you, like tough looking opponents, where you are just like, oh my gosh, Mary mm -hmm. Jo, you saw the girl that you're fighting, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I'm um, like, no, don't worry, we'll be fine, <laughs> right? we'll be all right. Yeah. So I think I have this right too. You were 25 and 0 until you faced Holly Holm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what is that? Well, the loss and draw, those two bouts for you to end your career, you know, reflecting on that now, does that get at you? Oh, yeah. It still gets me. Yeah. It's still, yeah. <laughs> you have no idea. 
<laughs> yeah, you still, I think that competitor, I mean, you know, and you'll replay everything, you know, and I think because it wasn't, um, you know, a knockout or knockdown, then you just, you know, you, it gets at you a little bit. It gets at you. But uh, I did get a chance to fight her again. And we, we did end in a draw, which was a, a little better. That made it, you know, that made it better. But, you know, like I said, you just, you, you know, move on and you learn. But yeah, I'm still salty. I'm still a little salty. I bet. I can see why. <laughs> and then especially a draw like that, too, yeah. to yeah. end your career. Yeah, it doesn't, you know, it's like, just, let's just keep going. Let's just fight, you know, let's just fight to the end. You know, let's just keep <laughs> going, right? Until one of us, you know, gets knocked out or tires out or something. But, um, and it, it is very funny and it, and it is very mental, you know, with, with life and especially with sports, how you could have 25 wins, but that one loss, you kind of, you know, it really kind of gets you, you know, I think for a while I was, I was, I was very much upset about it. You know, now I'm just like, ah, darn it, you know, <laughs> um, you know, you play things over in your head, but, um, Try to come out of retirement after. Uh, right. Yeah. They're like, you I should, was like, you know what? Yeah. You should come out of retirement after this fight they just had. You could do it. I know you could do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. They have, <laughs> they none have, of us got over it. Yeah. Not, yeah. None of us really got over it. But it was, um, you know, I mean, to have a record like that is, 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 is beautiful. And you got to take it all. You know, you got to, you got to take the, those losses with the wins. It's if a young, not that easy, but yeah, if a young lady or a young teenager is listening and they potentially have the thought about becoming a boxer, what would be a proper channel to get into the sport? Oh, wow. Um, there are some some really good uh, boxing clubs. There's the Detroit Youth Boxing uh, Club. And um, there's a lot of there's a lot of trainers out there, but you have to find one that suits you. I don't think there was anybody that could deal with me besides the trainers that I had, you know, Jimmy Mallow and, and his dad, Jim Mallow. But you 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 have to get someone that, that kind of knows you better than you know yourself. You know, when I was signing my contract, you know, my dad was like, okay, are you ready to be, you know, linked to this, you know, guy forever? Like you guys are in a commitment. You have to trust him with your life. And it's a real, it's a real thing. Like you really do. So um, I would say find someone that you can get along with, that you can um, really trust with everything you have, including, including your hard work. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a really good thing, especially getting a trainer that has been there or, or seen it or done it where, you know, they're not just the, you know, maybe the overweight coach with a whistle blowing and, you know, barking orders. Like, they've uh-huh. been there. They know the ins and out, and especially the mentality, you know, because, you know, it's not like, you know, ballet or, or, <laughs> or, or tennis. It's not like an elite, you know. There's some rough, rugged uh, people that, that they, look, um, they look to boxing to get whatever out of it, um, you know, whether it's a release or, or stress or, you know, they don't want to go to jail. So they'd rather just punch people inside uh-huh. the ropes where it's legal. But, you know, the mentality, um, you have to be very, very careful with. And it's, um, it's uh, very much discipline. You know, you don't just go in there and swing and, and, and you have to be very controlled. You know, there's no anger, there's no temper, because once that comes into play, you're not thinking straight. So um, it's, it's very much a sport of almost, um, you know, a lot, a lot of mental, a lot of discipline, a lot of character that you have to develop, you know, and it'll, it'll, it'll give back. It'll give it right back. You know, you learn a lot. You learn a lot about yourself too. I, I, I loved it. I loved it. I still do. I love it. 
And I hate to bring up the name Holly Holm again. But you did. But no. I had to. I had to do it. I wanted to ask you now, what have you thought of all the accomplishments that she has achieved oh. since that fight and even beating Ronda Rousey? That was the first time Rousey had ever lost. Yeah. I know two in the octagon. Well, I sure wish that I had I sure wish that I had bet on that fight because I knew what she was gonna do. She was she's very good. Her and her team are very good with studying, you know, and studying the weaknesses and, and kind of getting in there and, and making almost making it look easy, you know what I mean? But they will really pick you apart. Um, so, yeah, I wish that I had kind of uh, bet money on that fight. I knew I, I knew that. I, were you in we the car with over. me? Yeah. And we're like, we should call right now. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we should call. We were mad about no. that. So, um, but I, I, knew, I knew what she was going to do. She's, she's a tremendous athlete. She's a tremendous athlete. She had started in uh, MMA and then went to boxing and then, Back to MMA, which was brilliant because the sport of boxing was, you know, it has its ups and downs and it was kind of on a downswing. And so if it's, you know, if you don't, if you can't name who the heavyweight champion of boxing is, then you really don't know, you know, anything about the women, you know, fighting. Um, so she made a, a great strategic move and she's, she's, she's very skilled and, and she works, you know, she works. So, and it, it's very funny. It's the only sport where you're, you know, basically trying to render someone unconscious, hit them so hard that their brain rattles against their <laughs> yeah. skull. And, you know, it's it's like the best thing you could do. Like in in, in basketball, it's the three-point shot at the buzzer. Or in, you know, football, it's the Hail Mary. In boxing, that is what it is to pretty much render somebody unconscious. And it's it's the sport where it's better to give than to receive. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, after it all, you you know, you're you're trying to knock each other's heads off. But Afterwards, there's such a level of respect. So, you know, you're hugging, you're saying good job, you're, you know, it's, it's very much respectful, you know, Did especially. Say, thank good job or she ran away. She might have been traumatized, yeah. which is, you that know, easy to, <laughs> it's, it's easy to, to get that way. You know, she'd never lost either. I felt for her. I felt for her. It's something, but even that there's lessons and there's growing up and there's, mm-hmm. um, you really learn about yourself. And, and that's what my dad said. Like, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? You know, let's see what you're really made out of. And it's hard to come back. It's especially after 25 wins. That's, you know, I think that was, I think I'm the only woman in history to have that many wins and no mm-hmm. losses. So it was devastating, but it's like, look, what, you know, what are you made of? Let's, let's, let's work. You know, what are you going to do? Let's do it. So. And I'll post boxing. Do you ever think about the negative repercussions of boxing and what that? you know, I guess maybe uh, did your body and, you know, that stuff over the years and what it could do to you moving forward in your post-boxing life? I, I, I have a joke. It's probably not, you know, I'm like, what are you talking about? I turned out fine. fine, fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I feel great. Um, and, and that's the thing you, um, like I said about someone looking into boxing, you have to really trust your trainers with your life. And, you have to be careful, you know, you have to be careful. You have to be smart. You don't just go in there and pound, you know, there's, there's, there's levels to it. There's, you know, it's very much an art form. I call it, you know, a game of human chess with punches, you know, um, and you have to, you have to work smart and try not to get hit, which is hard because, you know, with, you don't practice boxing, you know, there's, you know, for other sports, you, you can practice with boxing, you know, it's sparring, you're fighting. You know, you, you, it, it's a combat sport. So um, even in, in um, sparring, it can be very dangerous, you know, let alone the fights. So you have to be smart. 
you have to take care of your body. You have to get your sleep. I would unplug my unplug my phone, like take it out of the wall, you know, at like nine thirty, ten o'clock. You know, you have to eat for fuel, and uh, you you have to just really work the craft so you don't get hurt. I mean, there's always that that chance, you know, in anything, you know. But I could walk down the street and something could happen, you know. So you you can't be fearful. You can't be fearful, and you have to trust, you know, trust your team. Um, and, and, and put in the work, not only in the ring outside of it, you got to take care of yourself. You, you got to be smart. You got to, um, take care of your body. So I feel good. Yeah. Mary Jo was like the perfect athlete to have. We have to be hard on ourselves. So a lot of people who know us, oh, you're so hard on yourself. It's like, this is how we were raised. (laughs) Push yourself or who's going to push you. But, um, Mary Jo was like perfect. Her diet was perfect. Her sleep log, all her stuff. When you've done all you can do then you just stand on that. And so I would just want to throw in that she did everything her trainers told her to do. I think like literally. Yeah. Like my wedding, she had her own food. Oh yeah. That's like right. wow. literally. And she <laughs> left and went to bed. Literally. <laughs> totally taking care of everything, covering yeah. all the bases to yeah. be mentally and physically prepared for every single bout that you would have then. Yeah. Because I never wanted, I never wanted to take myself out. You know, if I had eaten, you know, a chip, it would be that one chip that, you know, I ate that, you know, caused me not to perform as well. So if it was going to be, you know, it was going to be that, that somebody else was better. It, I wasn't going to do anything to, um, sabotage myself, so to speak. I was, I was going to make sure that I had no question in my mind. This is exactly what I'm supposed to do. So when I get in there, then, you know, that's it. Yeah, taking care of your physical fitness to yeah. make sure that you were at a high level Yeah, physically. And I, I guess you were because of your record and all the success that you had. Yeah, thank you. And a great team around her. Yeah. Well, yeah. congrats to both you guys on everything. Good luck on future endeavors. And once again, a great event is happening October 7th at uh, Andiamo Detroit Riverfront. It's called Detroit Has Heart. Come check it out. And I know you guys will be there too. And thank you very much for this segment today as well. Thank you so much. Thank you.